سؤال بيقول لك إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا ومن سيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وعلى آله وأصحابه وأزواجه ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين وسلم تسليما كثيرا أما بعد we praise Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala abundantly. All praise belongs to Allah. We seek Allah's help. We seek Allah's assistance. We seek Allah's forgiveness. And we seek refuge with Allah from the evil within our souls and the consequences of our bad deeds. Verily, whomsoever Allah guides, no one can lead astray. And whomsoever Allah allows to go astray because they do not want any guidance, then no one can guide. And I bear witness that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah. He is alone with no partners, and I be witness that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is his slave and his messenger. We ask Allah to exalt his mention, grant him peace, and send his blessings and salutations upon him and his companions and his wives and all those who follow them on the path of righteousness until the day of recompense. Brothers and sisters, in yesterday's discussion, we touched upon the famous hadith and the profound hadith of the Messenger of Allah alayhi salatu wasalam. Uh, which gave us the good news and the glad tidings regarding our current affairs. And we have learned together that as we approach the end of time, adhering to the religion will become more intense. It will become more challenging. It will become more difficult. However, we also learned that we will be getting a lot of reward accordingly. Besides getting the reward of 50 of the Sahaba, may Allah be pleased with them, while remaining inferior to them, we also learned that you will be among, and the most important aspect of all, you will be among the saved and aided sect, al-ta'ifa al-mansura ila yawm al-qiyamah, the, the saved and aided sect that will remain such until the day of resurrection. And we said that the hadith of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam which tells us that the ummah will divide into 73 sects is a, a major warning for each and every one of us to make sure that we belong to the right group. And by belonging to the right group, it does not mean that you enroll in a, a university of certain name or you are attending a particular masjid or you have an organization of whatever type. No, no, no. Those matters, those locations, those institutes, those masajid could or could not be upon the truth. It is about you adhering to the truth, adhering to the way of the righteous predecessors truly and sincerely and not by merely delivering lip service or claiming to be upon it because I call myself, you know, uh, Fulan al-Salafi or Fulan al-Athari as you see today it is not just if you call yourself Abu Abdullah Salafi you're not going to become a Salafi and if you call yourself Abu Abdullah al-Athari you will not even become an Athari and the irony of all is that a lot of people use those proper nouns they use those as proper nouns not as adjectives while they're actually upon something other than the way of the Salaf and other than the way of Ahlul Athar so those names and titles are actually uh, they could be meaningless and they're not meaningless. You could use that name 
in a legitimate manner according to the valid opinion of some of the scholars and there's no problem in that. There is no problem in, in that. But the truth of the matter is it's a lot more than merely carrying the name. It's living up to the name and what it entails. And that is our challenge. Now, before I go further, I need to take a sip of coffee. Bismillah. And then I need to tell you the following. How we said, you may say, Ya Captain, Ya Abba Mus'ab, Ya Akhi Fil Islam, you're oversimplifying things and you're taking us on a ride and you're undermining our intelligence because it is not as it is not as simple as you make it seem. You're making it seem like it's a piece of cake. Like just all you have to do is say, oh, there's the truth. And then you adhere to it. And, you, you know, you just have a, a good old day. While we find, realistically speaking, that when we look into the Muslim world and the da'wah scene in general, there's all kinds of conflicts and oppositions. In fact, you will hardly find a group of du'at agreeing on something. So... You could say, I, I'm sorry, but I don't feel that the matter is as simple as you're making it seem. And I insist that the matter is as simple, even simpler than I make it seem. Why? Because there is a very critical element that a lot of people miss out on. And that is the element of being connected with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. You see... When you, when you beg Allah to guide you to the truth and when you're constantly realizing that if Allah doesn't guide you, you are misguided or you will be misguided, when you genuinely mean it, when you say, المستقيم, when you genuinely mean it, when you ask Allah Azza guide me to that which the people have differed about by your permission. This is from the ad'iyah of the Prophet Muhammad when you are genuine and sincere in asking Allah for these things, then you expect those things to uh, materialize. And if, if for whatever reason, you did not hit the target or you missed the target or you missed the truth, then inshallah, that will be small in the ocean of good and the ocean of truth that you follow. As is the case with some of the scholars of the Salaf, some of the scholars that we, we accept and we have, uh, we have respect for and we take them as, as imams in knowledge, they did fall into some errors in matters of aqidah. However, they remain to be a small uh, group versus the majority who maintain consistency in terms of what they believed and what they conveyed to the people. So then those things could be ignored or could be, you know, a blind eye could be turned about them while highlighting to the people the fallacies within them. And the erroneous nature of those opinions. But at least as far as you're concerned, you know which direction to go, you know what to do. So the truth of the matter is, it is very easy once you have the right tools. The challenge is in not finding the truth. What you don't realize is that most of the people that are deviant out there, including callers to Islam, their challenge is not finding the truth. Their challenge is overcoming their pride, arrogance, ego, preferences, all types of reasons that deter them and that obstruct them 
from adhering to the truth. There are interests which interject and present themselves that will make the person reconsider. And if you look at the ways of the people of the book, Allah Azza wa Jal told us that they didn't differ except after the knowledge came to them. And that اشتروا بآيات الله ثمنا قليلا. They purchased for the, with the ayat of Allah, they bought it and purchased it for a small price, i.e. they turned it into a trade, into a business. They turned the religion into a business. And the Prophet wasallam said, you will follow the ways of those before you. Hand span by hand span. And an arm's length by an arm's length. Even if they were to enter the hole of a lizard, you will enter behind them. It was said, oh messenger of Allah, are you talking about the Jews and the Christians? He said, who else? Who else? So if you look at the Jews and the Christians today, you will find, for example, the early Christians, they knew that Jesus was not the Son of God and Jesus is the Messiah and Jesus is the Messenger of God. They've seen him say, Eli, Eli, and they understood that Jesus came to preach Tawheed, the same Tawheed that Moses was preaching, the Ten Commandments here, O Israel, the Lord, our, the, Lord, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. That was the first commandment, and that was the first commandment of Jesus as well. But because they have a lot of funny people, they said, hey, this is boring. Let us innovate something into the religion. Oh, let us add this and let us add that. They knew the truth, but they turned away from the truth. And slowly but surely, they went from La ilaha illallah to Isa ibnullah, a'udhu billah. And Isa huwallah, Jesus became Allah himself. And Jesus became Allah himself and his own son. And then they involved the Holy Ghost in the equation. And in some denominations, Mary got involved in the equation. And look at the, look at the Christianity today. Everything that they do has nothing to do with Jesus. Every church practice is foreign to Jesus. Every aqidah they preach is foreign to Jesus. Every prayer they conduct is foreign to Jesus. Even their fasting, nothing that they do is in line with Jesus. Jesus was circumcised, they don't get circumcised. Jesus wore what we wear and they don't wear what, you know, what, what Jesus wore. They've come up, they, you know, look at the Catholics, Bismillah. Dude would be rocking like 20, you know, 20,000 pounds worth of, of, of crosses and, and jewelry on his, uh, you know, on, on part of his wardrobe. Yeah, and he, over. It's a little, it's, it's too much. It is too much. Al-Muhim, that is not the point. So that's, that's how Christianity went astray. And the Prophet ﷺ told us that we will follow the ways of these people before us. Therefore, we are going to do the same. And guess what? Guess what? We did exactly that. So the problem with the da'wah scene and the du'at is not that they don't know the truth. La, 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 bustahil. Ahlul ilm and the people of knowledge, they know. If you've learned Islam from the ground up, if you've learned Islam from scratch, oh, believe me, you know. Oh, you will know what, where the truth is. Allah told us already in the Quran. Rather, we fling with the truth against falsehood, so all of a sudden the falsehood will vanish and disappear. It will, it will hit it right in the brain. 
and then the falsehood will disappear. And then Allah said, and woe to you from that which you describe. Because the matter is, the reality is, it is your lies and innovations against the deen of Allah that have brought this bottle forward. But when the truth comes shining upon it, it will destroy the falsehood in its place. And Allah says, What would there be? What is there after the truth except misguidance? Allah says also, Verily, we and you are either upon guidance or in manifest error. Meaning, the, the, the good and the wholesome has been differentiated and made clear from the, from the filth. And the truth has been made clear from the falsehood. And everything is vivid. But then comes the challenge. How much of a man are you to step on your own ego, step on your own worldly interests, and push the truth in spite of all that? That is the bottom line and the differentiating factor. And this is where the da'wah scene is divided into two main camps. People that do not allow any external interference to divert them from sticking to the truth and propagating it in spite of all the backlash and the hatred that that brings along with it. And those you will find for the most part are the people with the uh, smaller number of viewers, smaller number of subscribers, a smaller number of followers, and those are the people that get hate day and night in and out. And the other camp is the camp of the uh, radio station Duat. You call in, like back in the day, you say, I would like to listen to this particular nasheed. Let's make it a nasheed. We don't make it a song. And the DJ says, Abshir, Abshir. Yalla, we'll play it for you in a couple of minutes. The dua to look at the Muslim world, they say, okay, what do these people need? And what is the need of the hour? Or what is the need of the people, whoever else is, is calling the shots for them? Uh, it could be organizations. It could be other people. It could be whatever. Some of them look at it money. It's all about money. How do we make the most money from this da'wah? We're already in the da'wah. We need to survive like everybody else. So if you're pushing like some, some uh, hardcore, straightforward, orthodox, uh, uncompromised version of Islam, the people are going to be like, man, this guy is an extremist radical. We can't listen to this guy. We can barely, we can't even stand him. That, that's what you usually get. I can't even stand this guy. I can't, I, I want to turn off, uh, break my monitor and turn off my, my uh, PC and go to sleep as soon as I hear him speak. Why? Because they don't want anyone to sit there and tell them, hey, hey, you're wrong. This is wrong. This is the truth. They want someone to come and pat them on the back. Say, yeah, Habibi, the Almighty loves you. And if you wake up on a Monday, remember that Tuesday comes after and then Wednesday and inshallah Friday is at the end of the week. Allahu Akbar. And you're like, eh, Sheikh, yeah, Sheikh, now my Iman has revived and I am one, one step away from Firdaus. Another one comes to you and looks at the deen and says, no, you know what, all these penal codes, this is extreme. This was back in the day. It doesn't apply today. Don't worry. We will remove them. There will be no execution, no chopping off the hand. Uh, all of these, you know, ahkam of the sharia that Allah Azza wa revealed, they're questionable and they're bizarre. 
and they're strange and they're subject to scrutiny. We need to analyze them further and see which one we will adhere to and which one we will just kind of remove swiftly from the deen of Allah. You look, yo, what's going on? Another group will come and tell you the Quran itself has issues or the sunnah is not reliable. Or you have all you have these dua that don't even consider the sunnah. Or let the Quran speak. And you let the Quran speak, so everything that you the person answers is not even in line with the Quran, let alone the Sunnah of the Prophet. You look at the da'wah scene, and it's almost like a big comical uh, scenery. It's a comedy show. These are the two camps. And so don't nobody can say, I don't know where the truth is, or I don't know where to find it. You could tell who is keeping Islam, who's keeping it real. When it comes to Islam and who changes with the passage of weeks and months and years over the, you know, the last 15 years, they see the person began somewhere and ended up somewhere else. And we're not against uh, uh, change. Change could be good. And there's a learning curve. Of course, you could begin with certain zeal. And then with time, you, you know, you, you get more wisdom and more patience. And then you realize that maybe you're ignorant about many matters. And now that you're more enlightened about them. So there, there's there's an area where there's you're subject to change. No problem. But you don't change everything that you're upon. It's spe specifically aqidah. Aqidah is not something that can change. That's something that is established. That's why it's called aqidah from uqdah, from a knot. It's a knot that is tied so hard. That is not subject to change. So looking at the da'wah scene... It's supposed to be that our job is to simply tell you Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said and the Prophet sallallahu said and the Sahaba understood it this way and they applied it that way and your job is to say Sami'na wa ata'na We listen and we obey and we'll all be good to go to Jannah. Simple as that. That is the ideal and that is the expected and anticipated formula for success that is the formula for success however today it has become completely different why because we're following the ways of the jews and the christians as it was predicted and foretold by the prophet and because of that you see all of this bickering taking place online all of this bickering taking place among even the masajid maybe in bradford you have one masjid of ahl sunnah down the street, you have a Diobandi Masjid. And down the street, you have a Barelvi Masjid. And down the street from that, you have a Shi'i Masjid. And you're like, yo, what's going on? We're supposed to be one Ummah. Yeah, you're supposed to be one Ummah, Habibi. But we're following the ways of the people uh, of the book. And therefore, expect this kind of division to take place. Now, which Masjid should you belong to? Don't act like you don't know. Please don't act like you don't know. Because it's clear like the sun for those who are looking for the truth. But for the people that follow their desires... There are some people, ya akhwan, here's what happens. Alhamdulillah. There are some people that are sincere. There are some people that are sincere. But they're sincerely wrong. They're sincerely wrong because they have created uh, or they have adopted uh, a covenant and allegiance to their teachers, their instructors, they, whatever it is that does not allow them to think independently or to fetch for the truth. Excuse me, which is again the way of the people of the book. Meaning, 
Somebody will grow up in an environment where he's told what to believe about Allah's names and attributes. Why? Because the sheikh taught him that. And the sheikh was taught by another sheikh. And that sheikh was taught by another sheikh. And they have a, a, a chain of mashayikh who taught him that. He, this brother, even though he himself might feel otherwise, he does not dare to think independently on his own because he feels he's been brainwashed and programmed to believe that this is a betrayal to the uh, uh, the chain that he received this knowledge from. Very few have the courage to go outside of that and do independent thinking where they truly and genuinely seek the truth without any ulterior motives. And because of that, that person, خلاص, he's made a choice for himself. And we learn from the Quran that Allah Azza wa Jal in general gives the people the chance to accept the truth. And when they reject it, Allah punishes them by depriving them of the truth. And this, my brothers and sisters, is a principle that applies to Muslims and to non-Muslims. For instance, Allah says, subhanahu wa ta'ala, فَلَمَّا زَاغُوا أَزَاغَ اللَّهُ قُلُوبَهُمْ so when they deviated, Allah caused their hearts to deviate. If you understand this ayah, according to the understanding of the righteous predecessors and the ulama al-mufassirin yani of this, uh, the exegesis of the Quran, you will understand the following. That those people at some point were presented with the truth. Let's say a non-Muslim. Islam was brought to him and it touched his heart. It touched that part in his heart where he's supposed to accept Islam. The fitra, which is pre, uh, the, the predisposed, uh, you know, the innate nature, predisposition. He said, mm, nope, dunya, yeah, and he doesn't want to leave the religion of his forefathers, whatever. They made that wrong choice. Those people, unless Allah was otherwise, they get punished by having their hearts turn away from the truth so that they don't, then they become like, they have ears with which they don't hear. They have eyes with which they don't see. They have hearts and minds with which they don't understand. They are like the animals, like the cattle. Rather, they are more astray. We have many ayat to this effect that tell you about people rejecting the truth initially and then being punished by not having access to that truth anymore. And the same applies to Muslims. A lot of these people that are deviant today, believe me, they had, they had that opportunity. They had that window. And then for whatever other uh, worldly reasons or even religious reasons, they chose to turn away from the truth then the punishment will be that you no longer have access to the truth. That's why I warn all of you. I warn you when it comes to listening to deviant speakers, deviant du'at. You may take the matter lightly. Wallahi, it is not a light matter. You're not allowed to listen to them in the first place. And when you listen to them, the, the poison will, will, will seep into your bloodstream. It will creep in unexpectedly. And then it will mess with your brain. And then all the 
everything everything is is now upside down you will see the haq as batil and the batil is haq and you will go astray and you will lead others astray and you become a fanboy and a sheep for those individuals why because you've allowed yourself in the first place to listen to the 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 zur and allah azza wa jalla spoke about ibad rahman walladhina la yashhaduna zur they don't witness any kind of falsehood and that includes the uh, celebrations of the Jews and the Christians and the, the kuffar, which is, by the way, supposed to be tonight, right? Alhamdulillah, you're in the masjid. So, you know, like New Year's and Christmas and whatever, you don't witness, you don't attend those events as a believer. And also, zur is any type of falsehood. When someone speaks about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and, and they deviate the people by innovating and, and sharing uh, uh, odd, unex, unacceptable rejected opinions and they make them mainstream and they make them the main Islam, you are also guilty for listening and even giving them an ear. You're supposed to turn away from that and stick to the way of the righteous predecessors who would not, who would not uh, spend any time, would not allow for an innovator to educate them about any matter of Islam. As for the people of knowledge, the people who have been given knowledge is their job to listen and expose the falsehood that those people are putting out to the Muslims because people will listen anyways and somebody has to uh, highlight those mistakes and those errors so that it's not like, you know, double standards. You, you tell people not to do it while, while the, you know, the dua themselves do it. This is just so you know. And therefore, when you think about that, you need to know that a lot of these people have been given a chance and they turned away from the truth and as a punishment, they have become what they have become. Save yourself from that. Save yourself from being a, like the, the, a person who follows the majority. The majority is praiseworthy if the majority was upon the truth. Al-Sawadu and Al-Jama'ah is not in, in, in terms of numbers. It's in terms of adherence to the truth. As Ibn Mas'ud said, Al-Jama'ah is whatever is in agreement with the truth, even if you are alone. And he said, He said, follow the sunnah. Don't innovate. You've been sufficed. You've been sufficed. You don't need anything additional in the deen. So when you hear a speaker say, uh, the Prophet is is uh, crying in his grave. You say, yeah, miskin, yeah, miskin. What are you saying? You see, you see how innovations come in. Isn't this a, a Christian type of speech? The Prophet is crying in his grave. How do you know? This is from Ilmul Ghaib. We know that the Prophet did not. The the the, the uh, earth does not consume the bodies of the prophets. Okay. We listen and we obey. And we know that when we send salutations upon the Prophet Muhammad وسلم, the angels deliver that to him and he returns the salam. We say, we listen and we obey. Beyond that, what are you talking about? This is how you can identify the deviant people from the people of the truth. Look at our approach to the matter. Allah said, the Prophet وسلم, said, and that's how the Salaf understood it. Why is it important to add the understanding of the Salaf? Because everybody will bring an understanding of some sort. 
What matters is to us, what matters to us is how the Salaf understood it. Look at the matter of Allah's transcendence. Al-Ulu, Allah's transcendence above the creation and above the throne. Look at contemporary understanding and look at the understanding of the Salaf. Read the book of Sheikh Al-Albani, Rahimullah, Al-Ulul Al-Aziz Al-Ghaffar. No, it's actually the tahqiq of Sheikh Al-Albani. It's by Al-Imam Al-Zahabi, Rahimahullah. And look at the citations that he brings all the way from the Prophet ﷺ to the senior Sahaba, to all the Sahaba, to the Imams of the former Dahib, to the Imams of the Tabi'een and Atba'u Tabi'een all the way until his time. Everybody understood that Allah is above the heavens, above the throne in a manner which befits his majesty. Come have this discussion today with a brother who is in Ash'ari or Maturidi and be ready for you to be ready to go on a roller coaster. A roller coaster of nonsense. But ya akhi, you are affirming a tijah and jihah direction for Allah. And I say, ya captain, ta'al hina, ta'al. Did the sahaba have this discussion that you're having? They didn't, then, hmm. Did anyone come and say, oh, Master of Allah, how are you affirming a jihah for Allah? Did the Prophet ﷺ describe Allah as having a face and having hands and having fingers? Yes, he did. Did anyone ever imagine what they're like? No. Did they delve into the discussion? No. Did they understand that Allah, there's nothing like unto him? Yes. So we keep it as they kept it. We don't say what they didn't say and we say what they said. Look at all the innovators today on the scene. They cannot adhere to this. They have to. They have to insert and delete. It's like, you know, they're, they're uh, what do you call it? Surgeons. They're like surgeons in the hospital. You bring them the, the, uh, a clear, uh, a, a wholesome body. Say, look, man, this body is ready for burial. And they're like, no, I need to check. What if he swallowed a tomato? And they go and chop the guy in half and pull out his kidney and put out his intestines. And what are you doing? Bury the guy, bury the brother. They cannot. They cannot come to an ayah or a hadith and just accept it as is. They have to go through some uh, theological speculation of some sort based on foreign ideas and ideologies that have nothing to do with Islam and the Sahaba. So that's how you can identify. If you don't understand what I'm saying, uh, please subscribe to my channel, which is something I've I've said maybe five times in my entire life, by the way. I'm not the type who calls people to subscribe or looking for subscribers. I don't make money from YouTube. I haven't made a single cent. Uh, Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen, we've been on YouTube for, I don't know, 12, 15 years or something like that. I couldn't care less. But every week we teach a dars in tafsir, tafsir Sheikh Abdul Rahman al-Sirsaadi, rahimahullah, and a dars in aqeedah. Al-aqeedah al-Sitir Sheikh Sabib Taymi, rahimahullah. With the Sharaf Sheikh Ibn Uthaymeen. Wallahi, I highly recommend that you subscribe and attend those live classes. And if you don't, cannot come live, don't worry about it. Watch them when you're free and when it's convenient for you. At your own time. Watch them. It's a playlist. You can go back from lesson one. And when you're driving to work and driving back during your free time, the sister, when she's doing house chores or whatever, listen. And believe me, you will have no doubt about where the truth is. Because the claims are many. I can come here and, and tweet something and someone will tweet something else who's more intelligent or more eloquent or more can articulate himself better. And you think, oh, he's upon the truth. This guy's not. It's not about that. It's about the dalil. It's about the dalil in reference to the uh, Ahlul Ilm and the people of knowledge from the early generations until today. Those are presented to you. You will be the judge. 
you will be the judge upon where the truth regarding where the truth is. So you will know that this is not a bluff. When we speak about the matter of deviance, whether it is the bid'ah, the first bid'ah in Islam is the bid'ah al-Khawarij. Those who uh, went against the, the uh, rulership of the Prophet ﷺ and Dhul Khuwaisra who accused, who accused Prophet ﷺ of being uh, unjust in his distribution of the war uh, booty. Uh, and then we, have, we have Khawarij until today. I'm not going to go there again. Those who know, know. Then you have bid'ah al-Qadariyah. Those who claim that Allah did not decree everything. Then you had the bid'ah of the uh, Jahmiyyah, Jahm ibn Safwan, uh, uh, who, who uh, this, يعني, he came up with all of these ideas of negating, negating this from Allah, negating, you cannot say Allah this, you cannot say Allah that, you cannot say, you cannot say. They got all of these philosophies from Aristotle and Plato and whoever, and they tried to apply the same terminology that they use on the aqid of, on, of Islam. So they came up with what you know today as the Mu'tazila and from there came the Asha'ira and the Maturidiyya and obviously the Jahmiya. Uh, uh, so, so this is the, then the, the Ummah divided into all of these bid'ah. And the bid'ah continued and it will continue until the, the, the last day. All while Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah are careful. Then of course you had the bid'ah of the uh, Rawafid and the Rafidah and the Shia who, who, you know, cursed the companions of the Prophet wasalam, and, and claimed that their, uh, uh, their imams control this world with Allah Azza wa Jal. And you know the, the matters of the Shia, it's, it's known for everybody. Look at all of that. Look at all of that. Just sit there and observe the world around you. And you're like, subhanAllah, what is going on, ya akhwan? What has happened to the Muslims? The Prophet ﷺ said, whoever lives among you after me, he shall see a lot of difference. So upon you is my sunnah, and the sunnah of the rightly guided khulafa, hold tight on it, and, and bite on it with your molar teeth, and woe to you from newly introduced matters in the deen. فَإِنَّ كُلَّ مُحْدَثَةٍ بِدْعَةٍ Every newly introduced matter is an innovation. وَكُلَّ بِدْعَةٍ ضَلَالًا Every innovation will lead astray. وَكُلَّ ضَلَالَةٍ فِي النَّارًا Everything which is astray will end up in the hellfire. In the same hadith where he advises to listen and obey. No matter who is in charge. No matter who the ruler is. In the Muslim world that is. I'm not talking about the UK. Listen and obey. Even if you disagree. Even if you don't like. Even this and even that. Those are the, this is the advice of the Prophet ﷺ. Today you, you act upon this hadith, you are considered to be the lowliest of Muslims. When wallahi you are the loftiest of Muslims. Wallah you are the finest of Muslims, the most elite, the most VIP that can be out there. If you just act upon this hadith of the Prophet ﷺ, that differing will happen and you're going to stick to the sunnah and the sunnah of the rightly guided khulafa and you will buy on it with your teeth. I'm not interested in, in anything else out there. Because everything, everything else out there has been distorted. It has all these blemishes that have taken away from the purity of this deen. So we push this uh, aqidah, the aqidah of tawheed. You live your entire life worshipping Allah Azza wa Jal alone. You don't believe in superstitions and you don't have shirk akbar or shirk asghar or shirk khafi. All types of shirk are foreign to you. You don't know them and they don't know you. 
you know Allah Azza wa Jal is the only one who deserves to be worshipped. Allah is the one who arranges the affairs of the creation. Allah is the one who decreed everything. Allah is the one who provides and sustains. And therefore Allah is the only one who deserves to be worshipped. So your fear is fear of Allah. And your hope is your hope in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And your dua goes to Allah directly. Call on me, I will respond to you. And if you, my slaves ask you concerning me, verily I am near. I respond to the, call, the, the supplication of the supplicator when he calls on me. So let them respond to me so that they may be guided. Now, see how simple it is? You versus someone sitting at the grave, Maulana uh, Rambula Mambula, you know, waiting for uh, inspiration and revelation to come, shaking your head like the Jews do in front of the wall in, in, in uh, Jerusalem. That's that's what Muslims are today. You know, some dude sitting there cashing in on money. Yo, what do you need? Yeah, yeah give me a piece of paper. Yalla, I'll send it to the sheikh. 50 riyals or 50 pounds or I don't know what. They turned into a business. Go to the Muslim world. All these dargas and all these people worship besides Allah. Don't ask about those who make sujood to them and call on them and say, yeah, sheikh, we are Abdul Qadir, we ya lahwi. This is it. It's common in Egyptian. Yalahwi is the name of one of these people they call on besides Allah. It's it's common on the tongue of, of Arabs. Don't even know that they're calling on other than Allah. Come to Lebanon. Half of the half of the half of the country says, Ya Muhammad. Wallah al azim half of the people say Ya Muhammad, like they're saying Ya Allah. Calling on the Prophet because this is common. This is common. You know the issues in the subcontinent? I don't need to tell you. And they've all been transferred to the Western world. Like whatever, whatever deviance started in the, uh, the Arab world or the Gulf region or the subcontinent, it also made its way to the US and Canada and the UK. They have an extension of this deviance all the way from there to where you are right now to maintain. Bismillah. Alhamdulillah. To maintain. It's, it's a long, it's a project. It's a long-term project. And you're, you're like in the sea, you know, you're in the sea swimming, barely swimming, almost drowning. And all around you are these calls, everybody on a boat of this or this group, you know, this jama'ah and that jama'ah and that jama'ah. And everyone say, hey, hey, give me your hand. Once they get you on the boat, you're going to have to pay them back. They saved you, quote unquote. And so now you have to show allegiance to them for the rest of your life. Otherwise, you're a naughty boy or a girl. Oh, now that we saved you, they're going to turn against us? You're better off drowning on your own than having to swear allegiance to a group or a denomination or a aqidah that contradicts the one of the Prophet ﷺ. When you've been told in the hadith that Tuba lil the good news and the glad tidings and Jannah is for the strangers. And you cannot be a stranger if you're like everybody else. You're not going to be a stranger if you're like everybody else. And you're not going to be a stranger if you don't fall under the other hadith. Whoever is upon what I am today and my companions. This is in regards to the hadith of the 73 sects. And the one sect that will be saved from Jahannam. The one who is upon what the Prophet ﷺ was upon and his companions. So we'll take a very simple uh, example. What was the Prophet ﷺ in regards to belief in Allah? We take the hadith in Sahih Muslim. 
حديث معاوية who had a slave girl and the slave girl uh, he she she was looking after his sheep and one uh, one of the sheep was was stolen because of her negligence so when when he found out he reacted as a an upset and angry man would react and he slapped her but guilt got the best of him and he realized that he transgressed against uh, another person another muslim and even if it wasn't a muslim so he went to the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam seeking an expiation he said oh messenger of allah i have a a, a jariya and uh, such and such happened with her so the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said uh, bring her to me so he brought the slave girl <laughs> Subhanallah, subhanallah, how clear the matters are and how confused the people are. The Prophet said, Ain Allah, where's Allah? Now you, you ask this to one of these Diobandis and he will, what, what, what are you saying? You know, he asked this to the Ash'aris and the Maturidis, they will lose their mind. What are you saying? Where's Allah? Astaghfirullah, astaghfirullah, ya Shaykh. Don't say that, don't ask that. They have a panic attack, almost die. The Prophet said, Ain Allah. Another person comes to tell you, that's not important. This is not, not something that we should discuss. Really? Really? The Prophet ﷺ will emancipate her eventually because of that answer. He says, it's not important. Ya Sheikh. Ayn Allah. She pointed. She pointed with a finger to the sky. Huh? They weren't thinking they're on the north, south. So that means upside down the earth. No, 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 no. All this philosophy was with the philosophers. Those are people of Aqidah. Ayn Allah. Fissama. Fissama meaning in the state of transcendence because sumu is whatever is above, whatever is lofty, meaning is Allah is above. And she pointed with her finger to the sky as the Prophet ﷺ had done himself, like in Hajjat al Wada and the farewell pilgrimage. He said, Allahumma fashad. After he said, he said to the people, Did I not convey? He said, Oh Allah, bear witness. This is aqidah for you. Anyways, he said, Who am I? She said, you are the message of Allah. Free her, emancipate her, for verily she's a believer. Basically, Allah wa anta Rasulullah is equal to la ilaha illallah Muhammadun Rasulullah. Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. You understand? Instead of asking her, are there any other objects of worship with Allah? Do you worship anyone else with Allah? The Prophet decided to ask about the matter of Asma' and Sifat. Instead of the Tawheed al-Uluhiyyah, he asked her about Tawheed al-Asma' al-Sifat. And when she gave him the right answer, that was equal to her passing the grade in terms of La ilaha illallah. Man ana, who am I? Anta Rasulullah. This is Muhammad Rasulullah. Emancipator, she is free. Yani, you have to have the brain of a bird for you to not understand this hadith or for you to find a problem, or for you to twist it as they do in order to find a way out. Even though this hadith is supported by tens and hundreds of ayat and other hadith, all of them, all of them unanimously agree that Allah Azza wa Jal is above the arsh. Seven times it appears in the book of Allah that Allah rose over the throne in a manner which befits His majesty. But now they tell you, nope, we can't. Allah doesn't have this and doesn't have that. Allah doesn't do this and doesn't do that. Things Allah affirms for himself, they say, nope. Even to Allah, they say, sorry, not happening. Allah says something, they say, nope, not this one. We're not accepting this one. We have our sheikh who told us, nope, this one can't let it slide. 
what are you what are you on what are you taking what what is going on in this world you see so for you to be upon what the prophet sallallahu was and his companions then you need to maintain the same belief oh and what do you think zainab used to do zainab used to tease the wives of the prophet sallallahu say to them all of you were given in in marriage by your parents as for me allah gave my hand in marriage to the prophet sallallahu from above the seven heavens ya sheikh Zainab had the belief of, of Ahl-Sunnah al-Jama'ah. Naam, she did. The wife of the Prophet, And I can go on till tomorrow. That's why I come to the Aqidah class. So you can get ample evidence about what you're supposed to believe about your Lord, subhanahu wa ta'ala. And once you have that Aqidah established, and once your Aqidah is sound, then it is smooth sailing until you meet Allah. You're going to go through the cycle of sin and tawbah, sin and tawbah. I disobey Allah, I repent. I, I disobey Allah, I do good deeds to erase the bad deeds. I disobey Allah, I work on bettering myself. I My manners are not that great. I work on my manners and character and, uh, you know, my morals. Uh, I'm, I don't have enough uh, this. I work, this. It's a process now of growth and, and development and rectification and, and purification, no problem. That's the journey we're all on. And no one is there and no one is perfect. We have all kinds of issues. May Allah make it easy for us. But but in terms of the engine and the, the, the infrastructure of the boat upon which I'm sailing, it's, it's set. I'm going to have a windy day, a rainy day, a too, too much of a sunny day. I'm going to run out of gas. I'm going to run into a rock. Something is going to happen that's going to obstruct my journey, but I have the right tools. I have the right engine. I have the right boat, the right dimensions of a boat so I can sail to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you meet Allah, even if you had all the sins in the world, and you shouldn't, because if you're a true believer, you will not have all the sins in the world. Then you look at the hadith of Sahibul Bitaqa. The, the owner and the possessor of the card. The man who will come with all these sins, mountains of sins and mountains of sins. And Allah will tell them, did you commit those? He'll say, yes, yes, my Lord. He will declare, he will admit that he committed all these sins. Then Allah will say today, no one will be oppressed. No one will be wrong. And it will be asked for a, a, a bitaqa, a card, a piece of paper to be brought. And it will be put on the other side of the scale, فططيح, then it will it will it will overweigh and outweigh all of those evil deeds. They will scatter and vanish. And what's written on this bitaqa is La ilaha illallah. A person who truly had La ilaha illallah, huh? Meaning this person understood Allah's rububiyyah, he understood Allah's Allah's uluhiyyah, and he understood Allah's asma and sifat. A person who was truly uh, adhering to la ilaha illallah with, with all its conditions. Even if he had all the sins in the world, he is eligible to receive Allah's ultimate forgiveness and mercy and be admitted straight to paradise. However, you could be the nicest guy out there with the best character and the most loving individual and the most benevolent and the most patient and the most forbearing and you have the biggest smile and you're uh, يعني, so, mashallah, huggable 
and so uh, uh, adorable, as they say, without the ultimate meaning of adore. But you have a corrupt aqidah. And you're teaching the people corrupt aqidah. And you're misleading them from the path of Allah. Then, then all of those are not going to do anything for you on your al qiyamah. You meet Allah with shirk, you will be with Mother Teresa. And Mother Teresa was pretty nice. And Gandhi was pretty nice. And so many people that came before were very nice. But they met Allah Azza wa Jal as, as his enemy. It's not going to benefit you. That's why nothing is more important than Tawheed. And nothing is more important than Aqeedah. And nothing is more important than the proper manhaj. And that's why I told you yesterday, you have to prioritize. You have to look at the world differently. You have to put learning these matters first because Allah only created you for that. I have not created jinn and ins except to worship me. What does Allah say in the following ayat which most people don't know? Most of you know the ayah but most of you don't know the remaining ayat. I don't want any sustenance from them, nor do I want them to feed me. It is Allah the provider, the possessor of power, the most strong. Why? Because most people are too busy to worship Allah because they're seeking rizq. Allah is telling you, he doesn't want you to sustain him and provide him. He doesn't want you to feed him. Meaning don't spend your whole life looking after wealth and looking after the dunya. You were created for to worship Allah alone and single him out in worship. And it's not going to happen if you're not learning. And it's not going to happen if you're not exerting. And it's not going to happen if you're not investing. It's not. You will not be among the strangers. You'll be the average Abdullah, an average Muhammad, an average Rabi'ah, an average Batatis. That's all you're going to be. On the, on the uh, margin of life. Gambling with your akhirah. Not knowing what's going to happen. Still, the, the forgiveness and the mercy of Allah is vast. But you're definitely gambling with your akhirah. And that is not how we are supposed to conduct ourselves. So, that would be in short what I have to share with you. Uh, so, Jazakumullahu khairan. May Allah Azza wa Jal help us uh, act upon this and uh, you know, implement it in our lives. Jazakumullahu khairan.